0: J
1: This is from the Gospel according to Luke. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you will know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks
2: be to God. You may be seated. The kids are invited to Kids Church with uh, Kelly today. Thank you for that reading, Emily, and thank you, Jude, before you take off for your readings as well. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near is what um, Jesus instructed us from the gospel of Luke. Lift up your heads for your redemption is drawing near. One of the things I love about the season we call Advent that leads up these four Sundays to Christmas is that if we enter into it in the way that the tradition um, asks us to enter into it, It, um, it defines church. We had five things we went through in the past year, and tradition was one of them, that we aim to be a well-traditioned church. If we enter into Advent, this four Sundays in preparation for the incarnation in the way that the tradition asks us to us, it asks us to live out of step with time. Right now, the world is, is uh, nailing us with uh, plenty of things about ways to purchase our salvation that is drawing near ways to celebrate our salvation that is drawing near, ways to um, postpone the end for salvation that is drawing near, that that we um, live in this way, in this time, particularly in in this time which is the Christmas season in the world, but the Advent season in the church, drawn uh, further and further into those things which already disform our souls in some ways. The things that pull us apart, the things that bring us into disintegration. Um, For some people it's not just that we can survive and have it all. For some people the holidays bring to to bear that all is lost and that there is no hope as well. This is why depression and anxiety can spike around the holidays in a different way too. And so we, as we enter the season in the world, are pressed on all sides. And, and the, one of the, it's a joke that's never that funny, but I'm not so much concerned about the war on Christmas as I am concerned about the war on Advent. Um, we get Christmas all to ourselves the 12 days after Christmas Eve. In which we well, it's it's called holiday return season plus New Year's, so I should not be as optimistic that we get it all to ourselves. But at least um, the sentimental pressures and all the anxieties sort of begin to fade at that moment, and Christmas can be a time of great joy for us. And I think it's it's wise that the church is able to have some space to listen. I've I've long said as we've done Advent every year I've been here is is my hope in these services is I know. We can't win the war with all the other noises in our lives. You could flee to the desert like the great desert fathers from the third century and perhaps make it. um, But it won't be long before they construct a billboard there, too, um, that, that will draw you back to the world. But my hope is that the services, this time we have together, can be places where we live out of step in that time. That lovely hymn that Jonathan led us in, Ah Holy Jesus, does not sound like a Christmas song at all. Yeah, my hope is that here on this first Sunday of Advent, we begin to learn to walk out of step. Now there are words in there, if you listen, that uh, it was, his incarnation was for me, that he came in that way. But sung in that way, it calls us into the tension of time that we live in. And the church in this time lives in a tension. Advent opens up that space as we await this one coming for us. Now, um, uh, this I I probably say every year, well, this is one of the things. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. The Luke writing that Emily read for us this morning, it's a full-grown Jesus warning us about the second coming. It's a lot different than what we expect Christmas and Advent to be about. But in Advent, we look uh, two ways, in a lot of ways. We look both towards the manger, his first coming, that time when he comes towards us, and to that time when he comes in glory, when he will judge the living and the dead. And then this late time in first century or 21st century modernism and stuff like that, the idea that there will be a coming where he will judge the living and the dead which looks like an end. It also looks like what Paul in the last weeks we heard. Something so different you would call it a new creation. But either way that such a thing is coming is difficult for us to imagine because we think we can keep making it through it. I think the the time of the virus, which might, just might as well be forever at this point, um, has, has, I would hope, had taught us that we don't live in control of everything. That we can't live in control of everything. And yet, because of uh, science and the medical industrial complex and whatever else you want to say, that we begin to begin to think and push back to say, we can regain control back from nature. That we await, and then this f- first Sunday, more importantly, as the second coming plays the second role, we await the restoration of all things. We live in a world that already resides in this darkness. We live in a world that we don't fully control. We live with elements that are beyond our space. And for most of us, that's, that's new news. Our bodies don't fail us at the same rate. We have medications to solve most of what happens to us. Um, health uh, abounds for, for many people in the ways in that we still get to visit um, grandchildren. Kelly's, uh, God, uh, praise the Lord, Kelly's grandma was 90 when she saw her great-grandkids this year. We can begin to think that it's in our ability to push all this off. But as we await that second coming, it becomes for us to tell the truth about the world. That all the things we can buy and provide, all the safety we can make, all the things that we can do, won't keep us ultimately safe. Won't restore that creation which God made. And we await that time when he will come and restore it. This quote from Bonhoeffer, um, a prison cell... uh, A prison cell like this, Bonhoeffer at this moment, if you're not familiar with the biography, has been arrested for uh, being involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler, and he waits in a cell, and he's writing to his family, a prison cell like this is a good analogy for Advent. One waits, hopes, does this or that, ultimately negligible things. The door is locked and can only be opened from the outside. I bring this quote up every Advent because if we acknowledge that this is where we live, that Christian time is telling us correctly, that we live at the advent of the new age, but we await its fullness, the door is locked and can only be opened from the outside. And it was, it was great studying for the sermon this week is that there's, um, somebody said, you know, this apocalyptic Jesus language that Jesus used won't sustain us today, so it's best to start telling people what they should do. And and I thought of Bonhoeffer, ultimately, negligible things. The church has a mission in the world to care for the widow and orphan, to go about in those ways of bringing justice and, and bringing honor to God's name and restoring creation. But the fact that what we wait is outside the cell, the door is locked and help comes from the outside, means that we must live in the anticipation of what God is going to do next. We can't open this door ourselves, but we await the God who will open it. And so for this um, sermon, this, the lectionary in its wisdom picks four texts from the scriptures, and this is why these sermons in theory will be shorter, is because in these four texts, uh, and so these are lots of dots, think of the Bible as having lots of dots, or your life. This is something I learned um, more in psychology than I did in biblical studies, is your life is lots of moments made up together, right? Um, But to make sense of why you're here, or why you're married to who you married, or why you went to that college, or why you ended up in this bad situation, or this situation, you need to connect them to make a story. You need to begin to draw in the lines together. And that's how we make sense of our lives how we make sense of our world, that's how we make sense of the Bible. Now, when we go through Galatians, I can spend 18 hours studying the minute detail of Galatians and looking at the expansiveness, but really focused on one dot. When we go through the Advent text that the lectionary picks for us, these four we had for this Sunday, it's in connecting them that we see something else. It's not just one thing, but it's, it's making sense of the ways in which they all connect. And in connecting them, you get something of a picture that doesn't say just this line and this one, but something more expansive. Today, a lot of the, the texts connect in a way that suggests waiting. They suggest patience. They suggest alertness and watching for what's coming. That God still has promise. That that what um, Jude read to us from the book of Jeremiah, that God is restoring his promises. Jeremiah wrote in a time when the empire had fallen, um, or Israel had fallen, and they were living in the midst of an empire, and everything was crumbling. And yet he said to the people, God's promises will come. And where it looks like there is no hope, a branch will begin to form. When we're honest about our world, it can seem like everything is falling. Jeremiah's people did not suffer supply chain issues or rising prices or a virus in the extent that we face this virus, but they did face greater challenges. And what God, through the prophet of Jeremiah, is calling them to see is that God is one who holds promises and does not abandon, does not leave. Does not let us fall completely into disrepair. God's promise is still strong for us today as we await the second one. The psalm um, picture, it, it, it's an acrostic psalm, so when you only read ten verses, it's a little bit weird. So you know a through Z would be the way we do it in English, and uh, you would write each line beginning with one verse. Um, so when you read one through ten, but what but the connection, that is trying to be made in those 10 verses is that the psalmist is one who waits not to be put to shame. And he asked for God's instruction to be on him in that time. He asked that God would instruct him in the ways to be in the world. Um, this theme of waiting shows up again in Thessalonians, that, that idea that, that Jude 2 read for us, this idea that... Um, Uh, They're awaiting that day of fullness. Now, one of the things that I find difficult about waiting, I don't know if anybody finds waiting particularly easy, or keeping watch, is one of the best things you could do to make that time pass in our world is forget about it. And that's the opposite of what the New Testament's calling us into. It wants to keep pressing on us. That this restoration is coming, so stay alert, be awake, don't let your heart grow callous. It keeps pressing that on us. There was a what's that saying? A watch pot never boils. We have sayings around waiting that says, Don't just stand there and watch. And yet, what Jesus in Luke is calling his disciples to is to be attentive to that day to be attentive to when that time comes. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the earth nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehension of what is coming to the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the man, Son of Man coming on a cloud and power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near." As these things, we await Christ's return in his second advent. We are called to stand up and to look, for our redemption is drawing near. Philip Yancey wrote a great article several years ago about how all the people waiting for the second coming and um, uh, Jesus' return were often the people most depressed about the state of the world yet what he said, what if we take seriously that our time of salvation is coming? Lift up our heads because it's drawing near. It is good news for us. Yancey used the analogy of, of uh, prisoners of war, uh, I think it was during World War II, had managed to build a radio in their prison camp, and they had learned that Germany had lost, that they had been defeated over the airwaves. The emancipation of their camp had not come yet. But he asked, what might be different if we looked at this in this way? We have heard the broadcasts, the signal, that God will return and set things to right. We still live in the midst of that decay and dying order. But knowing and trusting liberation is coming. Restoration is coming. Redemption is coming. Might allow us to live in the midst of our imprisonment differently. With hope awaiting what God will come. Now, now, watch pot never boils, but you can imagine that when you look out at the horizon in that camp, that's not something you want to forget. You await differently at that moment than you wait at other times. When Jeremiah speaks of the promise, you look for the signs of when that will come. When it's our freedom and when it's our liberation, perhaps we can move into a spot of not hoping that we forget about it so that the time can come, but being restored, lifting our heads so that we know Jesus tells his disciples that you can read the weather, perhaps then you will know when the kingdom is coming because of the ways that he is preparing them to know that. This is at the end of Jesus' ministry before he dies, too. But the last thing I wanted to draw us into this morning is this, this connection between um, what Jesus says to us in Luke and what we're told in the book of Thessalonians. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with uh, carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you like a trap. We are called to be careful so that our heart will not be weighed down. And if you're like me, up until I studied the language of heart well enough. Heart sounds very sentimental. It's like, oh yeah, Valentine's Day. Not my thing. Um, but but the heart in the in biblical imagery is the site of our emotions. It's the place it, in which we are fully engaged. It is the center of our being. It's more than just the place of your loved affections, although you could expand that in a lot of ways. But it's, it's more like we think of the mind. Um, in the biblical imagination, the heart is more like that. Don't let your mind, your heart, your center, be dragged down in the moment. And what's amazing in that the lectionary people picked this for us is because we enter a season of carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. Christmas, or Christmas in the cultural sense, becomes this time in which we purposely try to allow ourselves to get weighed down. Where it's imposed on us from the outside as well. Do not let your heart become like this, because that day, if that happens, becomes a trap. If you keep your heart alert, if you stay watch, that day is not like a trap, but is a day where we stand up and see the day of our redemption drawing near. But what Thessalonians says to us, I love, in relationship to the heart, is may he strengthen your heart, fortify your heart. So that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God, of our God and Father when Jesus our Lord comes with all His holy ones. In this season of purchasing, of preparing, and buying for Christmas, we can lay upon ourselves how do we remanufacture our hearts so that they are ready for that day. But what Paul asks in the book of Thessalonians is that may he strengthen our hearts. It's not a new thing for you to buy or apply to your life or bring about, but to trust in the God who has rescued you is the one who will also strengthen your heart so when that day is coming, it doesn't fall like a trap. God is going to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And so, while we prayerfully try to keep our hearts awake, to be ones who can stay and watch, to be those who are always on the watch and pray um, that we will stand before the Son of Man, we can also hear that God is the one who strengthens our hearts. And so, in this time of Advent, in this time, of awaiting both Jesus in his first coming, as Israel waited, and Jesus' as a second coming in the time that the church has. Perhaps it's for us to allow God to strengthen our hearts again. And this is not all on our action, but inviting the God who is patient with us, who restores his promises, who does not fail, to become the one who restores us and makes us strong for that coming day when Christ returns and sets the worlds to right. Let us pray. God, our fathers, we enter what is often a chaotic holiday season. Allow our hearts to be drawn towards you. St. Augustine says in his classic phrase that our hearts are restless until they rest in you. God, strengthen us in our hearts. Fortify our hearts for that coming day. May we be those who are able to be on watch May we be those who stand and lift our heads for our redemption is drawing near. This day will not fall as a trap for your church because you are the one who strengthens and guides us. You are the one who keeps us. Be near us now as we set ourselves in expectations of what you have done what you are going to do in the restoration that you bring with your Son. I ask in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.